very beginning of the gospel that he writes, he, he sort of tells you what he's trying to do. He wants to give an orderly account of the life of Jesus. He talks about eyewitnesses, which means Luke, sort of as a historian, he, he goes and interviews people, he, he gathers, he does research uh, in order to put together an orderly account of Jesus's life. As a result, Luke ends up giving us some stories that nobody else gives us, and I think that's kind of important, especially when it comes to the story that we're reading today. It's kind of interesting, because one of the things when you read through the Gospel of Luke, you quickly realize is that Luke tells stories that very few people could tell, which means he had access to eyewitnesses. And in this particular instance, Notice that the stories that we're about to read are really only stories that one person could tell. Who do you think that person is? You're talking about the birth of Jesus, and we're pretty sure that Joseph died while Jesus was young. Then who else was there? Mary. Yeah, it's interesting. When you read through the Gospel of Luke, there are stories that only Mary could tell, which lets me know that Luke talked to Mary. Later on in her life, she must have gone back and remembered. And again, if you read the Gospel of Luke, he'll often sort of tag those particular stories from Mary by, by a little line that, that says, and Mary pondered all of these things and kept them in her heart. So Luke will sort of tag and let you know, this is a story that Mary remembered. This is a story that Mary tells. So Luke chapter 2, understand these are things that only an eyewitness could tell you. And by the time Luke wrote his gospel, the only one available to tell the story would have probably been Mary. So here we go. The birth of Jesus from the gospel of Luke, from the memory of Mary. Here we go. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. What's a manger? What's a manger? Yeah, it's a feeding trough. She laid him in a feeding trough because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, 
The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I know, I read that fine, I guess, but there's only really one person you want to hear read that, and that would be Linus. You know, Charlie Brown, Linus, oh my goodness, it's great. And when Linus reads this, this story, this passage is kind of from the old King James. So how does it begin? This passage in the King James, when Linus reads it, how does it start? And it and it came to pass, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Yeah, it's that phrase, and it came to pass, I want you to think about. The New Living Translation, which I just read, doesn't really include that, that, that phrase. But when Luke tells this story, he, he starts off with a little phrase that you could translate, and it came to pass, or, or, or actually just more plainly, you could say, it happened. It happened that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. It happened. Luke begins this story by just simply saying, it happened. It, it, it happened. When we use the phrase, it happened, usually we're talking about something that, that, that's more or less random, something that's not planned. You might say, Pastor Tim, did you all mean to let the bird in the house? And I would say, no, the bird just happened to be on the wreath when Matt Betts opened the door. You understand? It just happened to be there. Nobody planned that. It just happened that way. But Brother Tim, did you plan to have lunch with Warren Weeks? No, we just both happened to be at Taco Bell at the same time. You understand? When we use the phrase, it happened, when we use that word happened, we're usually going to refer to something that was not planned, something that was a surprise, something that you might even say was, was, was sort of random. And, and honestly, in this story, those are the kinds of things that we deal with. We deal with a, a government official, the government that seems to be making life more difficult for the citizens. Well, that happens, understand? And that's what's happening here. It turns out that everybody has to take an unexpected trip. They have to all of a sudden get together and travel. They didn't plan that. Some of them make long, long journeys, and, and sometimes that's the kind of thing that happens. We got a pregnant lady here, and sometimes that just happens. You understand? It, it happens. And the lady is pregnant and great with child, and that's exactly when she's got to make the long journey on a donkey. Well, it just happens, you understand? That's the kind of stuff that life is, is filled with. These are the things that happen. And then, wouldn't you know, here she is, nine months pregnant, big as a house, on the back of a donkey, and that's exactly when the water breaks, and all of a sudden she's got to have a baby, you understand? And there's no hospital nearby. That's just the way it happens. That's how life happens. And that's sort of the way Luke begins the story here. It happens that all of these events begin to play out and they twist and they turn and circumstances are janky. I mean, it just happens. You know, right? It stuff happens. But the important part that Luke wants you to see here is that these things aren't just happening. Are you with me? These aren't just things happening. 
There's something about the twist and the turns here. There's something about the way all of these events actually fulfill prophecies that were pronounced centuries ago and kept in the Old Testament. Something about the way the strange turn of events, circumstances that that almost seem random and by chance at the time, when you look back over them, you begin to understand that there was a giant plan being played out here in these circumstances that seemed so random at the time. Now, I am not the preacher that says that everything that happens is because God makes it happen. I honestly can't say that. I believe that under God's supreme sovereignty, there are factors that you have to consider when you talk about why certain things happen. I really do believe that. So I'm not saying that everything that happens is absolutely by God's dictate. I really can't believe that because there's evil in the world, you understand, and there's freedom. However, I really want to affirm, and it's this kind of passage, it's this kind of story that makes me see that honestly, God is able to work in circumstances in in ways that are far beyond our thinking and imagination. That that sometimes when you look at what happens, it seems so random, it seems so absurd, it seems like there's just no way this could fit into any sort of logical plan. And yet exactly, when you begin to look back, you can see that somehow God connected all of those dots. Somehow, through everything, God was working his purposes out. Can you imagine being Mary? Can you imagine being Luke? Going and finding the elderly woman now, Mary, and getting her to tell the stories that only Mary could tell. Wouldn't you have loved to have heard this story from the first time from her toothless mouth? Wouldn't you just love to hear Mary tell these stories? Because notice that on the one hand, she's telling you about the worst day of her life. I mean, the worst day of her life, to be nine, have you seen a a nine-month pregnant woman lately? If you saw her, she's having the worst day of her life. I mean, understand, just giant, pregnant, and Mary's having that day, having to travel at, at the least possible convenient time, jerked around by the government in a situation where nobody's gonna understand her condition. Nobody's gonna believe her story. She's obviously pregnant and not married. She'd tell you the story, and it would be the worst day of her life, but at the very same time, it's the best day of her life. How does that even happen? How does it happen that the worst time, the worst day, the worst passage of your life, when you look back, you can also say that was, that was an amazing time. There I was, pregnant, bigger than a barn, and had to give birth in a barn. Can you hear? Ain't nobody got time for that. I mean, Mary's telling that story. But when she looks back, there's just the evidence of God's hand in all of that. Honestly, this is often how God works. And to tell you the truth, in the middle of it, sometimes it's really hard to know what he's doing. It's hard to understand. It's hard to understand why you have to go through what you're going through today. And it doesn't make sense. And and you know what you're wanting God to do in your life, and you have some imagination of what you think he's doing, but it doesn't always fit with what actually happens. But then you look back, and honestly, we can typically see God's hand better in in hindsight. It's a lot easier to know what God is doing when, when we look back on it. 
And I just wonder one of these days when you're looking back on your life at this moment, I just wonder one of these days when you're telling the story of, 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 of this particular time in your life, I just wonder how you'll look back on it. I wonder how you'll see God's hand in ways you don't see God's hand right now. Because honestly, sometimes at the time, you just don't see it. It seems like things are just happening. And it seems like awful things are happening. But what you don't understand yet is the way God can take all of these awful things somehow together and work them out for good. You don't see that sometimes in the middle, but you may see it later. In the meantime, you have to trust that maybe nothing ever just happens. See, sometimes God's ways are hidden, but then sometimes they're not. That's the cool part about this story. You got this whole part about Mary and the government and the trip to Bethlehem and, and the birth in the stable, all of that. It's just hard to understand what God is doing, but because it seems so secret and hidden. But then you got this middle part where nothing's hidden at all. The last Wednesday night in Bible study, if you were with us, we were looking at a passage in Isaiah where the prophet's talking about the coming of the Messiah, and, and, and his prayer is that, that Christ would just come and explode the sky, that he would burst through the heavens and, and come down. This explosion of strength, this display of power that everybody would see and nobody could deny. That's what Isaiah was talking about. And the amazing thing is, this is what Luke tells us about. That the very armies of heaven invade earth. It happens right here. It's an amazing story. Absolutely amazing. That shepherds out in the field, shepherds outside Bethlehem in the field, they are the ones who see this first. First there's an angel, and then there's an infinite number of angels, the armies of heaven. So exactly what Isaiah prays for, exactly what Isaiah predicts is what happens. The armies of heaven invade earth. The sky splits open with the armies of heaven and the pronouncement of what God is doing. Do you see? In this moment, it's not hidden. It's obvious what God is doing. And it's announced for anybody who's there. And it turns out it's, it's the shepherds. Now, just an aside, one of the cool things about this particular part of the story is the fact that he comes to shepherds, shepherds. Now, you probably have heard preachers talk about how nobody likes shepherds. Shepherds were despised. If you've ever heard phrases like in our culture, we'd say, man, that, that lady cusses like a sailor. Well, back in, back in their day, they would cuss like shepherds. You understand? Shepherds were, were shifty characters, often despised. Because of their work, they were rarely ceremonial clean to come into worship or come into the temple. Shepherds were definitely low class. But that's not even the part I find interesting. According to the Old Testament, there were limits to where you could keep sheep in proximity to the city of Jerusalem. And for the most part, sheep were to be tended out in the wilderness, not near where people were. But there was one exception. There was a, a, a place, a pen that was reserved in the region between Jerusalem and Bethlehem where the sheep were tended for temple sacrifice. So it's very, very likely that these shepherds, this flock, is the pen in proximity to Jerusalem and Bethlehem where the lambs are kept for temple sacrifice. It's 
to that group of shepherds that the angel appears and declares peace. But, but it's still strange. It's strange because if we were expecting the armies of heaven to, to split the night sky in two, if we're expecting the armies of heaven to come in and, and take on all of the forces of evil, if we expected this to be the culmination of a great war, it's not exactly what happens. But because as it turns out, this army of heaven that splits the sky, this army of heaven comes and declares not war but peace. The army of heaven comes and declares not war, but, but peace. And it is true that God comes down exactly as Isaiah prophesied, exactly as Isaiah had hoped. God comes down, but not exactly like you would have expected. He doesn't come down with a display of might and power. He doesn't come down and, and conquer his foes. That's not what happens at all. He comes down as a baby in a manger. Now you're used to that because all of your life, baby Jesus has been in a manger, but, but understand for just a moment, that's weird. That's weird. Nobody has a baby and lays it in an animal's feeding trough. Nobody does that. When you have a baby, you wrap it in either a pink or a blue blanket and you lay it in the window at the medical center. That's where you find babies. Nobody finds babies in an animal's feeding trough. So why do you think the angels of heaven, the armies of heaven, declare to the shepherds, listen, you're going to find this baby who is Christ the Lord. God come down. You're going to find this baby where? Wrapped in a blue blanket at the medical. No, no. You'll find this baby in an animal's feeding trough. Now, why is that where the shepherds will find the baby? Why put the baby in an animal's feeding trough? Why? Well, because they're shepherds. Are you with me? Because they're shepherds. If you want the shepherds to find Jesus, then where should you put Jesus? Where the animals are. This is the sign for the shepherds. It's, it's going to be exactly where they would find him, in, a, in an animal's feeding trough. Now, if you've read the other Christmas stories, it's not the same sign for the wise men. The wise men were astrologers, which means they did what for a living? They looked at the sky. So when they want the wise men to find the baby, what do they say? This will be a sign to you that they follow a star. It, it's amazing how things happen. Because I'm not sure things always just happen. If you really look at these stories, it's pretty plain that, that the way things turn out is, is, is a rather amazing plan that leads people right to Jesus. It all happens to lead people right to Jesus so that they can fall down before him and worship him. Luke, Luke says it came to pass. It happened this way. But though it happened this way, it, it didn't just happen. This is God at work. 
And the important thing is it's not just a Christmas story that, that Linus reads us on television every year. And it's not just a story that we have the preschoolers act out for you. It's, it's, it's a sign for you too. It's, this story itself is, is a sign for you. It's something that you should ponder like Mary and keep in your heart and, and, and think about because honestly, your whole life also is not just random. It's not just that your life is happening and, and you're experiencing it day to day. God is leading you somewhere. Your life is not chance. What's going on in your life right now today, it's, it's not accidental. It may not be obvious to you when you first look at it. You, you may need to ponder. You may need to sometimes ask why. But bottom line, I, I would want you to consider that your entire life is, is a series of events that, that if you connect, they will lead you directly to Jesus. Your life unfolds in such a way where you too will find him. The part about the shepherds that I like is that uh, nowhere in what the angels say is there a commandment to go. They never say go. They just say the Christ has come. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. You, you could find him, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. They just say you could find him, but they never say go. But when the angels disappear back into the night sky, what do the shepherds say? Let's go. Let's, let's go. You see, it's less a command at that moment. It's more of an opportunity. They have all the choice in the world here, but their choice is the right one. They bust it to Bethlehem. They go as fast as their feet will carry them, and there they find him, and they worship him. I just want to suggest to you that this day is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity to find Jesus in the circumstances of your life, to find him in the deepest places of your heart. It's an opportunity to find him, and when you find him, to, to fall down and, and worship him. I'm suggesting to you that your life will never, ever make sense until you find Jesus. When you understand where all of these days were leading, all of the events of your life, where you see that all dots connect and end at the manger, then suddenly you might begin to understand what your life is about. Because your life isn't just happening. Your life is about Jesus. Your life is given you so that you will follow signs and find him. This morning, I just want to give you the opportunity to find him. Pray with me. Jesus, we talk about finding you as if you're hiding from us. You have not hidden yourself. You have come down to become one of us, to be found in the middle of our lives. And Lord Jesus, I pray 
that we will open our eyes and pay attention to our lives and to your word, make our way to the manger. Lord Jesus, we often try to live our lives as if you've never come. We live our lives as if this story doesn't matter. But if this story is true, then it is the most important story of all, the greatest story ever told. If it is the greatest story ever told, then it certainly changes the way we tell our own stories. Jesus, there are people in this house today who figure that their lives are falling apart who feel as if what is happening to them can't possibly fit into a plan to bless them. Lord, we can't always see and understand that. Help us just to believe. Help us to believe. And help us, Lord, somehow to follow the signs, to hear your word, listen to the voice of the angels. Help us to somehow make our way to you, Jesus, fall down before you and worship. If this is what our lives are for, then Lord Jesus, let us find you and worship you. We pray in the name of your holiness. Amen.